Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar. Um, if you're new, thanks for showing up. Thanks for checking us out. If you're a returning listener, thanks for all that you do, sharing the show, giving us comments, giving us feedback, makes the, makes the show fun to do. This week on this bonus episode, I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with a couple local folks, local to me anyways, in the Augusta, Georgia area. Um, their names are Jeremy and Rachel, and they uh, publish a magazine called the Medical Professionals Magazine here in Augusta, and they've, they've got locations, I think eight other um, markets that they're in, but it's basically a magazine that highlights local clinical specialists or, or leaders in the, in the healthcare space at a local level, and I wanted to talk with them a little bit because they're starting a new initiative that's really based on building relationships among local providers in a, in a one specific locale. So this, in this instance, it'll be Augusta, Georgia, because that's where they're at. But may, this model can work in other, in other areas too. It just seemed like a really, really interesting idea. So I wanted to have them on, kind of talk with them a, a little bit about it. Full disclosure, um, I was the cover story for them in February of 2021. So that's kind of how we got hooked up more or less. Um, but when we talked a little bit about that in the magazine and the story, but really what I wanted to focus on throughout the interview and throughout the conversation was the idea of building relationships between clinicians. I think a lot of times we focus a lot on relationships between clinicians and patients or clinicians and clients you know, the therapeutic alliance, building a, a strong patient relationship. But as I mentioned near the end of the interview, healthcare as a spectrum is a relationship, and it's not just the relationship between the, the primary provider or one provider and their client or their patient, but part of what affects that patient's care is the ability of their current clinician or provider to reach out to other caregivers or other people that are providing services or specialty medical uh, advice or expertise to that patient and be able to to work together to help that patient overcome whatever limitation or or manage whatever disease or dysfunction is going on so it was a it was a pretty interesting concept that they've come up with this idea of building a small community in the local area and then kind of building out and using it as a sort of a platform, if you would, to, to launch uh, professional development and just improving patient care around just as a whole in that locale. So without any further ado, here's a little conversation I had with Rachel and Jeremy on building community in healthcare. So, hey, welcome to the show, Jeremy and Rachel. How are y'all doing? Thanks for having us. Doing well. Yeah, we're good. Chilly day in Augusta, but we're good. Yeah, I know. We schizophrenic Georgia weather. We go from hot to cold, hot to cold, basically until it becomes blazing hot in the summer. <laughs> oh, we like to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Uh, Jeremy, let's start with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you've been doing, and then we'll jump over to you, Rachel, and we'll talk a little about your background. Yeah, good question. So I um, am from Augusta, Georgia, for the most part. Um, my family works in the medical space. Um, my dad is a professor in the College of Dentistry at AU Health. My mom is a retired case manager. And uh, my brother, my older brother, is a chiropractor. So I kind of grew up in the medical space. I had really nothing to do with medicine. Um, I went the language arts route and actually was a Spanish major. And then nice. living, in, yeah, living, working in China. What do you do with a Spanish major? You go to China <laughs> and teach English in a foreign language. So I studied Chinese. I got a degree and then uh, lived in China for 10 years. Came back to the States and really got into something that I never expected I'd get into, which is publishing. And I was doing some uh, publications for some local neighborhoods and communities. And the idea for a medical professionals type magazine, which meant it was a magazine for, um, it was a magazine where the readership becomes the writership. So I'm not reporting on things. It's, it's medical people in the medical space talking about what they're doing on both the personal and professional level. So I've been doing that now for three years. I still have really nothing to do directly with medicine, um, except I get really good free chiropractic care, yeah. <laughs> dental care, and I get nursing. So nice. uh, that's my story. Awesome. Cool deal. Rachel, how about you? Yeah, I am not from Augusta. I'm from Lubbock, Texas. The military originally brought me here. I've been here. Um, coming up on five years here in 2021. So nice. Um, and I think Jeremy and I should both probably write a book about how not to use your college major at all <laughs> for your field. I actually studied dance and political science. And then before moving to Augusta, I had a background in education and nonprofits mostly, a little bit of sales. Um, and then since being in Augusta, I have really been more in the, the entrepreneurial circle um, as well as healthcare marketing. So um, that's how Jeremy and I met. I had an events background and started working with uh, the magazine to help put on the events. So the 3D element of what is 2D in the publication. Um, and from there, I have brought in some of my other healthcare marketing skills to just figure out how to reach the group of people that the magazine goes to, how to partner really well with the business supporters of the magazine to help them understand how they can support the medical community here locally through their businesses. And uh, now we're working on something new that we'll be talking about throughout this interview. Yeah, which is something cool in and of itself. So the magazine itself that you run is Medical Professionals, the Augusta magazine. And it isn't just one of those magazines that comes to your door that people like get in the mail and like sits on a shelf somewhere. Like you've done a good job about building almost a, a little mini community in the Augusta space, right? So talk to me a little bit about that on the small scale, like what Medical Professionals in Augusta has been doing kind of the events and all that. And then we'll kind of talk about the, the new venture. Sure. And that's a great point. So the, the purpose of the magazine is to build community. And when you back up for a minute, you go, well, how do you build community? And what does community consist of? And um, a lot of it is community is built around common, common struggles, uh, other positive things and, and commonalities, you know, common victories, um, but it really centers around narratives. You can't have community without shared narratives. And so the purpose of the magazine is to bring together and to enhance and build a community where uh, those in the healthcare space are very um, segmented and we call it siloed. They each live in their little uh, particular silo, whether they are general practitioners or whether uh, specialists, they're gonna live in a chiropractic world or a dermatologist world. 
Um, and even although they, they share a lot of commonalities between how they run the practice and a lot of the stresses and pressures of running a practice, um, and sometimes even personal stresses, they're not going to have the opportunity to ever really connect with one another. And so the magazine does that. It kind of transcends all the differences um, between uh, the different silos and specialties. And it brings all of their voices together into a place that's positive, it's uplifting, and more important, it's hyper-local. So they're writing to each other um, about what's going on in their own market, success stories or things that they're trying to do that's working, or even sometimes vulnerable things that we tried to do that didn't work. Um, and so the readership has a great opportunity now to, to learn from one another. And the great thing is, is they're not learning about something that did or didn't work in a different market um, because that might not be applicable to them, but literally this is people in Augusta, Georgia writing to people in Augusta, Georgia. And so they can quickly contact each other, buy each other coffee and say, hey, teach me, help me, help me to learn what you did and how that applies to my practice. So it can't help but uh, build the, the community uh, together as people share stories and people get to know each other. And I'll let Rachel share about the events, but that's, she alluded to it before, but it's turning this two-dimensional product into a three-dimensional, actually people getting to interact with one another um, in real time and space. Yeah, yeah. So Rachel, <laughs> tell us a little bit about those events that y'all put on. Yeah, you know, I'm sure we both wish we could say that we just had this grand idea <laughs> from the beginning and it just always was this way, but the events have really evolved over time into what they are today. And they started very humbly with just the idea of, you know, let's honor the front cover physician. And so when Jeremy and I met, I think he'd done one of these parties. It was for the, the first front cover, the CEO, Doug Welch at Doctors. And there was a cookie cake and a blow up of the cover of the magazine. And it was up in their conference room, I think during a lunch break. And that was it. And the only thing that has survived from that original model to today is the blow up of the front covers, even though that's done a little bit differently now. Um, so over time, we just realized, again, if the point of the magazine is community. It's great to celebrate these individuals where they get to invite their guests. And that was another key that's been there since the beginning is um, every single front cover physician gets to invite about 30 of their peers, loved ones, family, friends, coworkers, whoever they want. It's, it's their invites to come celebrate them. Um, but those people already know each other. So they're not meeting anybody else. Um, that was Jeremy's brilliant aha. My aha as the event planner and coordinator was this is a lot of work to do every month. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we decided let's, let's, uh, filter these things together and get three to four front covers at the same party at the same time where they're being recognized in front of each other. They're still inviting those 30 guests each. So there's a lot of buy-in because it's a personal invite. Jeremy and I aren't reaching out, inviting any of the guests to these parties. Um, so that really took what was happening in the magazine off the pages and to get off the pages into the real world. Um, and because of COVID last year, we couldn't have those parties for the majority of the year. Finally, it was looking safe enough around the end of the year, November. So we did all nine front covers. So yeah, it was like a marathon <laughs> um, for the year at once. Yeah. Um, and had 180 guests there. It was our biggest event yet. Um, Jeremy had some really great ideas, innovations to make that safe um, in a COVID world. And um, people really enjoyed it. So that's what the events are today. There's still that, that giant party where we gather um, and get to celebrate together and meet new people. And uh, uh, Jeremy hears all the time from people after these events that they finally met so-and-so. They were able to put not just a face to a name, but actually talk to someone whose name they've heard for years um, just from running around in similar circles, but never met. 
And Rafi, I'll, I'll say just one more thing that's unique about the publication. And we like to say what it's not. Like it, it's not a medical journal. So it's not filled with charts and graphs. So it's something that you, know, you yourself know. You you just wrote your own article in our February issue. <laughs> but it's something that you wrote, but many people in, in different uh, medical space can read it and go, wow, that applies to me. You weren't very uh, technical and you weren't just very specific to your own spe- specialty, you were painting in broad brushstrokes. And the questions are set up, the template's set up to be broad brushstroke type questions. So that that's a real value. So it's not filled with charts and graphs, but at the same time, it's not filled with crossword puzzles and Sudoku. It's not yeah. for the general public, right? It's not for the waiting room. It's honestly not something that um, I myself would often find that interesting because I'm not in the medical space. You know, if I saw it in a, in a, in a waiting room, I probably would read very little of my own magazine, but y'all would read it because it's about your world and the world that you live in. And so that's that's a very unique part of the publication. Um, and the, the fact that it's actually written by the very people who are reading it uh, also lends a lot of value to it. Um, and, and we're not really re- trying to report on things um, every month. It's people like yourself sharing, hey, this is what's happening in my world. Or this is what I'm seeing on the front line and you're sharing with other people who are on the front line and it naturally builds a sense of community um, and it has a lot of value uh, because no one else is bringing those stories together in that uh, professional and personal kind of way. Yeah. And then you back that up with a party every quarter to get people together. And I think the idea, you know, you mentioned you started doing a monthly and then you decided, well, it's easier to do them quarterly, but from an aspect of community too, and kind of breaking up siloed and you know very insular areas like you might have a chiropractor on on january and then a nurse in february and now you've got two groups of people or maybe another if you got three you know three magazines coming together at one party you got three groups that might not ever know each other or work with each other to get together and kind of cross-pollinate a little bit so that's great that's wonderful um so then uh, yeah those different people you know we're going to be two chiropractors right in a row on a front cover. So you're right. When it comes to the parties, you're guaranteed that it's always going to be people in a different specialty because the covers are planned. Strictly. Yeah, that's wonderful. So then talk to me a little bit about just this new venture that you're doing, how you're trying to build community in the local medical space. And is this something, I guess, before we get too deep into that, is this something that you're scaling to? Because I know you've got medical professional magazines and some other markets, like 18 of them, right? <laughs> that would be nice. We have about eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the time this publishes, Rafi, we will have. <laughs> just don't publish it for a few. Just months. don't publish yeah, it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> um, I, I can let Rachel uh, talk. We're doing this together in tandem, um, uh, but uh, Rachel's been um, meeting with a lot of people and sharing the vision too. But. Yeah, I'll answer your first question about scaling first. Um, for right now, no, I, I don't think that was ever the intention with um, MP in the first place. It just happened organically because the product worked so well. Um, so obviously, if that happens again with the community side, definitely. But our focus right now is really supporting that local community. And again, um, we're on what, the 41st, 42nd front cover right now? Something like that. I think so it's around number 40. After you meet with that many professionals in the field who are great leaders and you hear their stories, you start to see overlap in what they need, what they struggle with, where they're victorious and want to share more ideas, um, just what's interesting to them, what they want to connect over. 
And it's really hard being on the inside of that and seeing it and not getting excited about, oh my gosh, but we know all these other people who are just like you. And yes, you can read about each other, but we want you to meet each other. Um, and again, as Jeremy said, the whole reason that doesn't happen in the first place is people are so busy and they're siloed, right? So uh, we started tinkering around with the idea of what if, what if we could get people together in the same room on a regular basis? And it's not the soirees, which goes so fast. It's like a wedding day. Anyone who's been married knows how fast your reception goes by. And that's what those soirees feel like. It's just a blur. It's over so quickly. So we wanted to be more intentional with that and create a space where people could get together on a monthly, regular basis, as well as some other quarterly opportunities, um, where the time is, again, a mix of that personal and professional, um, or to put it another way, for events informal and intentional. So we want to create this forum where people can come together on a monthly basis. There's going to be a part of it that is very intentional. We'll have uh, local leaders having like a med talk type um, keynote speech at the beginning of the evening. 15, 20 minutes on a broadly applicable topic that is fascinating and innovative or thought-provoking in some way. And then there'd be a portion of the evening where we will all talk about that together, dive into it, bring our own experiences and insights from our backgrounds, whether you're a chiropractor, an administrator, a nurse practitioner, a physician, a physician's attendant, um, any of those different titles and roles who all play such an integral role in the medical community working and in serving the patient at the end of the day, right? supposed to be a team. So we want to bring those people together to talk through whatever those topics are. And then when that's over, there's just time to hang out. So whether we're at um, a restaurant or maybe a local social club, that when the meal is over, the talk is over, the workshopping and discussing is over, there's still time to say, hey, you know what, you said something really fascinating earlier when we were talking through patient care. And I just want to talk to you more about it. And or talk about your kids or your hobbies or whatever it may be. There's going to be a large portion of those monthly get-togethers that isn't structured, right? It's not scripted. It's just time for these professionals to get to know one another and go deeper. So we're calling it MP Community, and it's a, a membership-based platform where people are uh, paying to be part of this membership. We actually we have some fun things we do in between those. We set up us uh, community service projects with local charities. So once a month or once a quarter, we can all serve and do something together. There would be some fun outings together, uh, whether it's going to Top Golf or getting kayaks and going down Augusta Canal, but just the opportunity for people to meet in a in a non-clinical, non-professional way, because that's where the personality comes out. You really get to know the human being. And when physicians are getting to know each other, you know, you have to well, to build any community, you have to know someone in order to like someone. Then you have, if you like someone, then you trust someone. So it kind of works in that linear way. Um, so that's really what we're seeking to build. And um, some people go, wow, that sounds a lot like a church. Like, well, <laughs> I guess, I mean, you know, there will, be, there will be um, alcohol involved. There will be some, you know, wine and some beer and some, you know, other, um, kind of other kind of spirits. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, it kind of works the same way in, in that we're not trying to, re you know, reproduce or replace the church, obviously, but we're trying to provide a place where people who want to go deeper and want to spend more time. So we've been meeting with some uh, individuals who we believe are movers and shakers in uh, the medical space, hand selecting them, and then going and sharing and pitching the vision. Well, first we did some research and Rafi, you were part of that research. And we're so grateful for that. Um, and then we put together in a sense, a, an idea, a manifesto with like, this is what we've seen. And this is why MP community is so essential. Um, 
And right now we're putting together what we call our core 20. And these are the men and women who really fit the DNA of community, of wanting to meet together, of sharing vulnerability uh, stories and things like that. So um, we've got 10 of our 20 uh, already signed up and in place. Nice. And uh, we're looking to quickly, um, quickly, but certainly, you know, we're not just trying to pick, handpick anybody. Uh, we want to be really uh, careful, but we're selecting them because we know them. We think they're great and they're going to give something great to the community but they're also going to provide a lot of good insight and leadership and they're going to receive that back. So we're going to, we've got our next 10 to sign up in the next week or so. And we're hoping to launch this towards the end of February. Nice. Yeah. yeah much like your, your magazine isn't like you, you can't just go subscribe to MP Augusta, right? Like you, you're hand selecting who that goes to very much the same way the community you're trying to build. Yeah, that's right. At least for the core 20, and these are kind of the, the leaders, right? This is the core DNA of our group. And if this is not solidified, if this is not correct, it's going to affect anybody else who joins later. It's going to, uh, that identity is going to seep out into everyone who joins. So we want to make sure this core identity is exactly what it needs to be and that everyone gels well first. Um, and then, you know, we'd love to open this up uh, for more and more people to join. We don't really have a cap limit yeah, the goal is not to be exclusive over time, to be very inclusive. Right. We're kind of in that incubator stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to start small, right? So, yeah. and part of part of what intrigues me about the whole idea too, is that you are being very intentional about pulling people away from the work side of things, you know, pulling in community, uh, you know, community service projects and things like that. I find even from just... A cl- as a clinician, or maybe as, as somebody who's in the trenches all the time doing the work with patients, like burnout is a huge deal. And sometimes just stepping away to do something like, I don't know, pick up some trash on the side of the road, whatever it is, you know, helps reinvigorate you, right? <laughs> yeah, we actually noticed a really interesting theme. Um, we we're talking not just with uh, practitioners, but administrators is they had a hard time giving themselves the freedom to step back and just enjoy things. They felt like no matter what they did, it had to be so that I can be a better provider, so that I will take care of my patients better. And we just wanted to say, you know what, let's, let's just assume you're naturally always going to be thinking for your, your patients. But is there something you can just do for you? And we know the outcome, but stop having the guilt. Like you have to put that on the end of your sentence every time. Just what about you? Who's taking care of you? Um, let us help take care of you. Let your, your community take care of you. And I will say this, a key component of the community um, is learning to fail together and being open about our failures. And it's really rare in any space, especially the entrepreneur space, but any space that you admit to the people that mean the most to you and you want, you want their respect that you failed at something. Hey, I've been trying this. So we all try it in secret. And if it fails, we really want to mitigate who knows about the failure. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, but the problem is if we fail as a community, it's like mountain climbing. If you're belayed to another person right under you and, and you slip and you fall, you're just going to fall a little bit farther down than they are because they're there. They're, they're tied to you, right? They carry you. But if you're, if you're climbing by yourself, you're falling all the way to the bottom of that. You're suffering a lot more than you needed to. And so the nice thing about a community is if I fail in front of, of Rafi, then Rafi can say, you know what? Listen to this story, Jeremy. Listen to what happened to me just six months ago or a year and a half ago. And so there's a sense of camaraderie, commiseration, but you also, Rafi could also know 
hey, this would have succeeded, I believe, if you had done this or had known that person. Can I help introduce you to that person? And so the community can come along not just as a, a support to hold you, but as a support to say, well, here's the next step. Let's let's try to get you to the next step because we believe in you. It makes us happy to see you successful. We're not losing anything. We're gaining joy by seeing you be successful. And so that's kind of the attitude. And that's such a unique DNA. And so that's yeah. why we're like, and selecting people that honestly have told us failure stories and they're not shy of being like, look, I, I have blown it so many times. And that we're like, that is a key component to who we're looking for. How about uh, the whole idea of like, of an abundance mindset as opposed to the, the closed pie, right? Like I'm thinking maybe you've got eight or nine orthopedic practices in, in a small city or a bunch of little private clinics. And they're like, yeah, I kind of want to help myself get better, but you know, <laughs> so have, how do you address that? Is it something you've come up across when you're, when you're trying to put this team together? That's a great question, Rafi, and I'm glad you asked. Um, we haven't seen that much from people saying that, but I think one thing that's really passionate to me because I have a coaching background as well is to really address mindset. And that is one of the things we'll be doing in the group. So if any of that were to come up and I expect it will at some point, right? People are going to think, as the group expands, oh my goodness, there's now three chiropractors in the group. What do we do? Um, but really being able to unpack where we get some of that scarcity mindset in our own lives, in culture, in the business space, in the medical space, and be able to look at, to, look at it together and say, what's true? What are the facts? One thing we know is that you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Um, and to be able to dig through that together so that people don't trip themselves up by going so insular when they start to worry. And instead they have that safe space in that community where you can address your worries and find out what about them is um, legitimate and what about them isn't. And you be more free to chase what you need to chase and chase your own success in that space. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're getting near the top of the hour here. So if there's I'll ask you first, Jeremy, and then I'll ask you, Rachel, if there's just one thing you want people to take away from the idea of community in a healthcare space or, or something similar, what would it be? Mm, that's a great question. Um, it's funny when uh, I think the word community is assigned to the healthcare space because most of people in the healthcare say, I'm part of the healthcare community. And those who are not part of the healthcare community say, oh, that's the healthcare community. But we just kind of push everybody in the corner, you know, like you put all the silverware on the table, but some are forks, some are spoons, some are knives, some are hot dog tongs, you know, like <laughs> they, don't, they don't all go together. They're just they're just useful in that way. So it's funny when, when people talk about the medical community, um, they really don't know each other. There is no community. There's just a sense that we don't know what to do with you. You're over here. And so we'd like to uh, um, build something that actually honors all the differences between the different utensils on the table. It says you're all absolutely useful. There's not one that's less important or less useful than the other. So let's give voice to everybody. Um, but also let's look at what, what talents, why you exist and what talents you have to offer the person using uh, eating and basically the, the client in this metaphor or the patient. And so the, the hope and the goal is, the better and the stronger the medical community is, the better quality patient care they will naturally give. Yeah. Clinicians are trained to care about other people and so many clinicians are hurting. So I feel like a community of uh, mindful clinicians are the ones who are gonna help other clinicians. 
And so we really want to help transform the healthcare space in America in this very simple way, uh, but it doesn't come naturally. And then, of course, nobody has time to make it happen. So yeah. it's our attempt to make this happen. Awesome. How about you, Rachel? Yeah, again, such a good question. Um, a core tenet to my own beliefs as a person is that our humanity is sacred. Like as individuals, collectively as a society, and for me, that's where everything starts. And I think it can be so easy when you get caught in the, the professionalism or the just industrial size of the healthcare space for um, things to start feeling less and less human and less and less humane as a result. So I think when I approach this as community, one of the things that I want to bring to the group and my service is to remind everyone involved of their own humanity, of the humanity of their peers, their patients, their their spouses, their children, and just let that be central. And part of that humanity is failing. It's the mm. imperfectness. It's the flawed nature, but the thing that makes connection so beautiful and so powerful. So um, that's something that we definitely want everyone in this group to walk away from is a, a more renewed sense of um, gratitude for their own humanity um, and, and room for them to be human. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You're taking all the boxes that I, that I preach here, rehab you, making healthcare human again, right? Um, all right, so <laughs> what? I'll on you real quick and ask, what would you want to get out of a group? like this as a clinician, what, what would you, what would you value? Well, I think for me, I, when we talked about it last time, um, I really much value, and I think it's because of the way I'm wired, I value relationships. So when I get a referral from, you know, Dr. Herzworm or Dr. Dr. Whoever from whatever orthopedic or, or musculoskeletal uh, physicians group is sending one over, it's one thing to see a doctor's name, and be like, Oh, that's Dr. So-and-so. This is what he likes. It's another to to have a relationship with that doctor and be able to reach over and call and say, listen, I'm dealing with your patient X, Y, Z, and this is what's going on. We can bounce ideas off each other. And I've, I truly feel that healthcare is a relationship on all aspects. You know, there's a relationship between me and my, my patient, my client, you know, between the clinician and the, and the patient, but there's also a relationship between providers. And as that relationship strengthens, you get better patient care. So that, I mean, if you're asking for my two cents, that's, that would be it. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. All righty. Well, where can people find out about you, about your work, about the magazine, if they want to start one or. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, for people that want to learn more about MP community or just what we're doing in, in the magazine. Uh, also there's um, advertising marketing options for businesses that want to support the medical community. Also the way the magazine set up is for, um, physicians to also market to other physicians. So it's a great way to um, talk about what you do and, and your experience and to let other referring physicians know that number one, you exist and that you're reputable and trustworthy. So all that can be found, initial contact can be found on our website. It's mpaugusta.com. It's the letter M, letter P, augusta.com. And also one of the tabs in MP Augusta, the website is about the community, MP community. So. Uh, we can capture all your email information or you can contact me on the website. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time, guys. Thanks for having us. It's always good, to, always good to see you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Like I said, it's kind of niche, kind of specific to the Augusta, Georgia area where I'm at. But I think that the model and the idea kind of bears a little bit of sharing and a little bit of uh, discussion just because really no matter where you're at, it's very easy for clinicians and specialty providers to become very siloed 
I know at the university when I was teaching a lot of the of the coursework there, they were really pushing interprofessional education and understanding from uh, from an educational level when we're training future clinicians what other providers and other specialties do and how you might refer back and forth. But even that is a far cry from truly integrating healthcare, all the dif- all the different disciplines. When I was a, a consultant working for the Department of Behavioral Health here in Georgia, one of the initiatives and one of the things that we the re- we ran for them as part of that project was an integrated clinical support team, and it was basically designed as sort of the the safety net for anybody who is receiving services through the department. And instead of it being very hierarchical or centralized, where you had kind of a a physician leading the call and everybody was under them, it was very, it was more of a horizontal, if you would, organizational structure, where we had a, a wide variety of clinicians. I mean, we had respiratory therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, pharmacy, um, nursing, with psychology, ABAs. We, we just had a very wide spectrum of clinical disciplines involved. And we did have a clinical kind of case manager, case coordinator that, that kind of orchestrated the scheduling and who got referrals and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when we did our assessments, when we did our trainings or technical assistance appointments with providers, it was very much collaborative in nature. So I did... Uh, home assessments sometimes with a physical therapist for mobility, and I did home assessments with a psychologist on the forensic and behavioral side of things. And I think that experience really, really solidified my viewpoint on the idea of what interprofessional collaborative practice truly means. It's not something as simple as you know reading the note and signing off on it, or maybe even sending an email or a message, but truly collaborating, if you would, and developing one unified plan of care. And there might be different documents, but the substance of those plans of care are similar enough that they would not be confused (laughs) because that in and of itself will push a patient's uh, progress, if you would, and it it really promotes them, that patient, achieving their goals, overcoming their limitations, whatever the case may be. And the way it works, at least the way that uh, that I've experienced it, and the way I've I've seen it when I've when I've taught this at the university or trained other organizations on this, is that really only begins to happen when you have relationships with the members on the team. So you can't be siloed. It can't be a, an orthopedic surgeon on his own or a, a neurologist on his own. There needs to be a relationship, and it needs to be very collaborative. Um, part of the initiative that I rolled out when I was at the VA back, you know, 2014, 2015, when the VA was really, really going through a lot of the PR you know, storm that happened because of the scheduling stuff that, that happened at the, at the VA at the time, part of what the administration decided to do is that they wanted to build up trust in the organization. And part of that they felt like was reducing medical errors, was improving patient engagement. So I was able to spearhead on our end what was at the time called relationship-based care. And it was this basic idea that when you have a free and open line of communication between clinicians, um, the, the risk of 
adverse effects of negligent uh, omissions on charts or orders of, of mistakes, basically, because this was a hospital system, and mistakes that could potentially kill a patient um, would be mitigated if the communication was open, which seems like a pretty straightforward and logical extension. Um, And the way that they decided to do this was by focusing on the relationships between the clinicians. So having true relationship building time, we had, you know, general rounds, we had times where we were, we were really just trying to focus on um, Mr. Smith, the nurse on the ward, knowing Dr. Johnson and being able to figure out how they communicate and that sort of thing. And it really did help improve care. It, it, it decreased lengths of stay. It improved, um, it improved some of the clinical outcomes that we were measuring at the time. And then I went from that, from leading you know, some, an initiative like that, to moving into this consulting role where we were doing integrated clinical support across the state. And those two experiences back-to-back really hammered home this idea that, that interprofessional collaborative practice is more than just something that we check on you know a, a checklist for accreditation for programs or something that we that we say we do because we have this process in place but it really foundationally and fundamentally needs to be needs to be rooted in relationships relationships between those providers so i really like the idea that that Rachel and Jeremy have put together here trying to build that if you would not just in an organization but across a, a local medical community because at least where I'm at, we've got one, two, three, four, five hospitals in the area in like a 10 miles, you know, 10 square mile radius or something like that. Um, and multiple independent private practices, both physicians and ancillary healthcare providers. And it can be very easy to just feel siloed. Um, and so anything that we can do, again, to increase the flow of communication between uh, different medical providers is in general, and at the end of the day, going to help patients and, and get us better outcomes, which is what we want. So that's all I've got for today. Um, if you like what we're doing, like what, you, what you're hearing at the show, you can head on over to iTunes, give us a rating and review, helps people find us. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the show and get notified when we drop new episodes, you can go to www.betteroutcomes.show or you can go to rehabupracticesolutions.com and click on the link for podcast. You can sign up there and we'll shoot you a, a notification every time we drop a new episode. We usually do that every other week. And then like this week, you'll get a bonus episode. So you'll get you know, three three episodes in, in three weeks sometimes. So um, until the next time, guys, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.